Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. To all of you Metsian folk on this new Metsian dawn, this is Sam Maxwell, and you are here with a Metsian podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot to get to, so let's, uh, without further ado, let's get right to it. We've got a lot of people on what what is basically at least a mini roundtable, if you uh, can't call it a roundtable, uh, of Metsian thought, and that's the last time I'll make any Metsian pun here on out. Uh, without further ado, let's bring on our uh, featured guests before we uh, go to our brain trust. And uh, I'm going to introduce first uh, of the past ball show, John P. Pielli, excuse me, uh, from Tom's River, New Jersey. What's going on, John? Hey, what's going on, guys? Always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, listen, I, I think it's impossible for the day to get any better. It, it's just it certainly has a lot of shine on the uh, the initial diamond that we've we've excavated from the earth and uh, we, you know uh, we're, we've got so many different places to go uh, but first let's introduce our other featured guest and that is baseball and barbecues Jeff Cohen uh, cousin Cohen cousin Jeff right no no of course I I'm pretty sure you do not have any relation but you can you can uh, clarify the rumors. Well, I am definitely checking all the genealogy sites to find out. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you Thank go. You, Thank let, you, let us I go to, uh... John. It is a good day. A good day to be a Mets fan. It really does seem, and it would be even better if you can discover any of those uh, DNA connections. Uh, um, <laughs> without further ado, let us bring on the Brain Trust, uh, the co-conspirators. Of this, uh, the the board of directors, if you will, um, as I apparently am now the uh, president of baseball operations. I'm sorry, a podcast operation. Definitely not running a baseball team, but but I'm going to start in Connecticut with Rich Scarago. Rich, this is a, quite the day. It is quite the day. You know, if you think about it, and it was alluded to during the uh, the presser that you know there's news that a vaccine will be coming. You know, who knows when, but. At least it's on the horizon, which I think is great news for everyone. And then bringing it to the Mets, I mean, uh, you know, the Mets have a new owner. The, the rhetoric and the tone is entirely different. And I'm, I'm hard-pressed to, to have anyone tell me this is not, hasn't been a great day. Agreed. And uh, Mr. Mike LeColon down in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, um, thank you. I'm glad you could join us tonight uh, uh, in these ever-turbulent times. But there's a little bit of, uh, um, we, you know, 
there's there's not so many clouds around quite possibly and we we've hit maybe some smooth air absolutely happy day uh since listening to the press conference I, i've done nothing but smile happy day glad to be speaking baseball with everyone this evening hello jeff hello john hello there hey mike that is that is certainly it. We're we're talking baseball today, and and right now we have nothing to really criticize. I, I I think that everything was rather exactly what we wanted to hear. And John, I'll start with this of my initial impressions. It, it really, you know, just especially it's weird the way like you know I I can listen to Jeff Wilpon and not say oh I I love that he sounds like a tri-stater, uh, but when I hear Steve Cohen. Like, I was very comforted once I finally heard what he sounded like, that he did sound exactly like he came from Great Neck. And the way the presser was kind of divided between him and Sandy Alderson, it really did feel like we were were bringing in a diehard Mets fan who has known how to operate a structured business, coming into baseball and letting the baseball men do the talking. No, so true. And I tell you, I look at it like this. It's like as the the most passionate Mets fans, and that's any of us, would have a dream scenario of the type of person we would pick to be the next owner after the Wilpons. And that's essentially what we got. It's it, it's just uh, amazing to see that it's a, a person, obviously, with the the finances, which we, we know is a, is a separate blessing in itself, but I mean, he comes across as extremely genuine, a legitimate Mets fan, a lifelong Mets fan. He shares the same, uh, the same interests, the same things that, you know, fire us up and excite us and make us want to come to the ballpark. I mean, uh, you know, with an owner, an owner like that, at least off of that type of speech, makes the average Mets fan want to run through a wall for him. Exactly. And, and Jeff, you know, let's go right into it for you. What are your initial impressions of all of this, having seen the press conference today? Oh, it was a, a wonderful press conference. He, he hit all the right notes. He knows his, uh, his, his, his role. Obviously, he's, he's the, the owner, but he knows what he, what he doesn't know. And he wants to bring in the right people, and he will listen to them and make decisions based on their recommendations. Not uh, willy nilly or you know off the cuff. He 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 knows what he, he's going to set the expectations and let the, pe- the right people run the, run the ship, and that's all you can ask for, Nona. Exactly, and, and Rich, I, I'm going to go right to the the beginning of it. Um, he did seem genuinely wanting to to say thank you to to Fred Wilpon, and it, it seemed like he was. He had a genuine connection with Fred Wilpon, but I think there was a deliberate uh, 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 vacation of the name Jeff Wilpon. <laughs> and I, I love, obviously, he included uh, uh, us, Met fans, in his opening remarks, um, in his opening sentence. Um, but while they didn't, you know, they didn't want to throw shade. I really appreciated that introduction because I thought that the deliberate uh, absence of Jeff Wilpon was was very warranted. Well, you, you know, it's one of those things, Sam, where 
you never know if what you read and hear is 100% accurate. You, you just never know. And what did we hear? Well, what we heard was that Jeff Wilpon and Steve Cohen did not have a good relationship. Okay. What does that even mean? That, you know, that's what we're hearing. Don't know if it's true. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. And then you hear the, you know, the couple things that, that Jeff was pushing for the A-Rod group to get ownership because A-Rod offered him, you know, to remain on as some kind of an advisor. And then Jeff, you know, threw the Hail Mary pass at the very end to see if the Blasio could block it. So you're hearing all these things and, and you're starting to put a story together in your head that, wow, you know, maybe, maybe there really is something to that. Maybe Jeff Wilpon really doesn't like Steve Cohen. Maybe there is some acrimony there, but you never really know. And then when you watch the pot, the, um, I mean, it was, how can it, it of course it was deliberate. You know, you, you can't, there are, there are two principal owners of the Mets, Fred and Jeff, and, and you go out of your way to say Fred's a, you know, class guy and all these kinds of things. And you leave Jeff out. Of course it was deliberate. There is acrimony there. I think that was the final piece of proof that we needed. Um, and so be it. You know, you never know. Business is rough sometimes. And uh, these guys might have had something going on between them for whatever the reason. Um, and it just festered and they simply just don't like each other. But you know what? It doesn't matter anymore because as of right now, frankly, if I never hear the name Jeff Wilpon, Fred Wilpon, or Saul Katz again, it's too soon. They're, you know, they did what they did. Fine. They were owners for 40 years and, and private owners or sole owners for 18 a, a pennant and 15, all that. I don't, I wish them well. I hope they live their natural lives as long as they're supposed to and, and they're happy and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to talk about them anymore. I want to go forward. Um, and that, that's my, <laughs> my, uh, my take on it. So Rich, what are some of your takes on not the will what, what, And which is to me, I think the, the thing to me about today is that, you know, it, 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 it's still surreal for me. And I, I guess it won't become real until you actually start seeing everything play out. But what, what are your initial takes of the new regime? Well, I mean, if we as Mets fans, I think, you know, a lot of people talked about this, I think we were before we went on the air. If, if we as Mets fans would have scripted a press conference, we would have scripted this. What was one of the first things out of, out of Steve Cohen's mouth? I have a day job. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to win to make millions of people happy. Mic drop right there. I mean, what better thing could he have said, earn his way as if he hadn't already into the hearts of Mets fans right there. Um, I'm not here to make money. I'm here to win to make all of you, millions of you happy. I mean, my God, you you know, and then um, he talks about that. You could talk about the fact that he's been on Twitter uh, asking fans for how to make the Mets experience better, which is just so innovative. And he's responding and interacting, uh, talking about how he's a fan, all of that. And then we can get into what Sandy said later. But um, my initial reaction is it's uh, my only hesitation is it's almost too good to be true because it was, I, I can't, I've been on Twitter. We all have, I can't think of one Met fan. I think of one thing I've read all day that anybody expressed, any concerns about what they heard. I mean, it was just perfect. It was like, and, and he came off as so genuine. This man was not media coach to, to do this. He came off as genuine. He was humble. Um, I, I, don't, the, I, can't, I don't have enough accolades for him and, and for what he said. I really don't. Mike, YouTube uh, operates at a loss for Google, um, but they don't care because they make so much money elsewhere and YouTube is a major asset one way or another. Um, 
not to say that the, the Mets need to lose money, of course, um, but it was nice to hear that sentiment. Anyway, take it away with your thoughts on, on uh, your initial thoughts on the press conference. I'll pick up where you left off, and then I'll pick up where Rich left off. But you're right, and he said, yeah, I have a day job. And he's not necessarily in this to make money. Uh, he said, quote-unquote, he's doing this for us. Uh, which, you know, throughout the press conference, he said everything Mets fans have been dying to hear. And me specifically, he said everything I've been dying to hear. But, Wow. He's not in this to be mediocre. I mean, he said all the right things, and we're adults here. We've all heard this pitch before. Maybe not our baseball team, but around sports circles, we've heard this all before. But like you guys alluded to, it sounds genuine, and this guy seems to have uh, the backbone that's going to – but insofar as Fred, you know, Steve said that he and Fred – watched many baseball games together. So maybe they did develop a friendship. Uh, And he's the only one who popped into his mind. If anything, I think this shows beyond a a shadow of a doubt, now that this is all said and done, how inconsequential people really see Jeff in the grand scheme of things. Uh, But, you know, when you're forced through a line of questioning, Sometimes you have no sh- you have no choice but to take veiled shots at the outgoing ownership. I think they negotiated it quite diplomatically, uh, but it was unavoidable. And throughout the pressure on both sides, from Sandy and Mr. Cohen, uh, they kept on coming like a rocket launch system. <laughs> they didn't stop. At every turn, there was another veiled shot at as to how this club used to be operated as opposed to how they envision envision it going forward. Uh, So I'm just happy. Today was music to my ears, Uh, specifically the micro, the macro, Rich. You know, uh, we've been clamoring for a hierarchy and a chain of command and today they said very specifically there will be a president under Sandy Alderson uh, and, uh, you know, things like that. I'm just ecstatic. But back to your point, Sam, he really, Mr. Cohen, that is, made this about us. And he is one of us. If you think about it, another local guy, you know what? I just want to throw this out there before I lose my train of thought. We've been fortunate as Met fans, no matter how old you are. And this is even, you know, pat on the back to the Wolfpunks, but we've always been in local hands with Mrs. Payson, with the Wilpons from Brooklyn, and now Mr. Cohen from Long Island. We've always been in local hands. But in this instance, you know, he grew up a fan, a passionate fan. Uh, and he, he's felt the pain, the joy and the pain along the way. Uh, and he's also seen... And he said it and, you know, read between the lines when these, when he sat as a minority owner at the, uh, at the the table with these guys, listening to, listening to them make decisions. He could have only been shaking his head like, Oh my God. Well, here he is now he's in charge. 
I'll take it away. I can ramble. I'm so giddy. I mean, there's so many places that we could go next, but where I'm going to take it next, John, is, um, and I'm trying to pull up her name, but and that's where I was going to go next, um, and I just want to make sure to get her name right. Uh, but, John, Steve Cohen's wife has been a front and center and will be front and center when it comes to the Mets Foundation as well as uh, has been with the Cohen Foundation. Um, but I, I, uh, I wanted to talk about her because she's been, I, I think, a, a bridge for Cohen to be talking to the fans. And I think she's been a major asset to this entire transaction. Yeah, you get the you get the sense that you know she's you know just as much of a fan as he is, and we are, and I think that that's provided a very good a very good base for everything that you see there for you know her to connect to what's going to be the Mets Foundation and um, to give back to the people, but you know j- just as importantly to just seem like it's another one of us, another uh, another another fan in a group of fans, but you know she is you know the the wife of the owner of the Mets and is going to be able, you know, is going to be able to do so much more for fans and the community and the city. So I think, listen, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm just as much excited that she's coming aboard as, as I am that Steve Cohen's going to be the owner. And I want to uh, give her uh, specific props, Alex Cohen, Alexandra Cohen. Thank you so much. Um, we also have somebody calling from Long Island. Maybe it's it's Alexandra herself. Probably not. Let's see who we have on the line right now. Uh, you're here, 516 Area Code. Who are we talking to on the Metzian Podcast? Hi, it's Gary from Long Island. Gary, Gary of Mets Musings, <laughs> Gary Mack, welcome. Thank you for calling in. Hi, guys. How are you all doing? Away, Gary. Go ahead. I'm just hey, ecstatic up, today. It's uh, I, I tuned in to listen to my good friend Jeff and, of course, all you guys, Sam, Mike, and Rich, and, and John. And I just wanted to put my two cents in and tell you how excited that, that I I am. I uh, watched the press conference. was very impressed with Mr. Cohen. And I hope he is related to Jeff uh, so we can get some free ticks maybe, Jeff. <laughs> you got to get on that, Jeff. <laughs> I'll try. Well, but it was a great day. Well, thank for, you, Gary. Mets fans. Well, we appreciate well, it. If you, you want to hang on a second, we can get we can certainly get your opinion on a lot of things. Uh, but I'm I'm going to go to Jeff sure, I got next a few on. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I'm going to go to Jeff next on on this. Um, you know, what what role do you think she she has played in being able to connect Steve? to the fans and, and, and it seems that, that he's, you know, with certain specific tweets, especially where it, it, he confirms not just kind of sit on the couch with her right now. It's actually me, not a, not a press secretary. Uh, you know, what, what do you think about that? Well, he referred to her as she's going to be in charge of the Mets foundation and he's going to do a lot of charitable work around the city. Uh, he, he felt, he felt, I think he said it was a public trust that he has is just not the owner of a team, but a public trust. And that uh, she'll be running all the charitable uh, endeavors for the, uh, for the, for the foundation, which I think is a fantastic thing. 
you know, uh, getting getting people out there, getting you know, helping people, you know, with with the, with all the, uh, the power the mess behind them, it, that that's just uh, fantastic. And I think it's it, it, it's great that she is involved. Uh, I think she is from a, a minority descent, so you know, people in, in uh, the upper echelons of baseball want to get more minorities. And she, I think she's Puerto Rican, if I'm not mistaken. And you know that 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 doesn't hurt, and he helped the community, bringing uh, all sorts, bringing everybody. You know that's just a, a good thing. Well, you know, uh, Gary. Besides the irony of, of everybody screaming for J Lo, uh, um, a uh, Puerto Rican from the Bronx uh, to become the Mets owner, um, it, it's 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 really wonderful for for this, and and it's nice to have uh, that little anecdote as well. Um, uh, but but I, I think I, I also want you to help me segue to Sandy Alderson, where it, it seems as if, you know, he did at some point, like, talk about it, holding some responsibility for the state of the team in a negative fashion. And do you think some of this is him also viewing it as a way to kind of come back and finish what he started? Yeah, I, I think. Sandy today gave like a, uh, almost like a mea culpa for the last couple of years when he was here and things were going so well. And uh, I, I was just struck at what a totally different person he looked like today. He looked uh, relaxed. He looked uh, confident again. He looked uh, happy to be back. And, uh, you know, the guy's 72. He's battled cancer. He's beaten that. Um, I, I just thought uh, he gave – it was quite a different appearance from when I remember him towards the end of his uh, time here before when he was – he seemed like he was beat down, worn down, and just, you know, out of it. And and I was no fan of his. Uh, you know, I was quite rough on him every week. and uh, but, but I'm willing to give him another shot and see because it is a, a ownership. It's a new diff- – new ownership, and in a strange way, I think it was really a good pickup to get a guy with his experience, with his knowledge, and he said himself he is not going to run the ball club. He's going to hire a baseball, a president of baseball operations. So, uh, you know, while he's here in a certain capacity, I don't think he's going to have as much pull, uh, not pull, as much to do as he did the last time. I think he's going to more be more the uh, pulling the strings on somebody else. And, and uh, I, I think that's why he came back. But it's comforting to know that above uh, whoever he hires, he's always there. So you've got somebody, you, you know, it's the start of building an organization that's solid from hopefully from top to bottom. Yeah, and uh, Rich, you know, I, there's many different places, and I'm going to do some random speculation as well in this uh, uh, pre- presenting this to you, Rich. Um, so first of all, people have been kind of like scooping up some of those old tweets where he was kind of making light of the Mets finances, you know, poking, you know, it, 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 he, he does kind of come across as somebody with this very stripped down personality, but I find that his humor ends up being uh, very dry, wry, kind of almost British in some fashion. And he ends up having this 
much more quirkier of a personality than you expect from a, a guy like him. But, you know, uh, uh, like talking about uh, having to go down to spring training on a mule because the Mets can't afford it or something like that. Um, and, and in that, I, I think, you know, like I was saying about him coming back and viewing that, that this could be his serious legacy here. Um, it, it, what, what's interesting, too, is that he is the president, but he's not going to be the president of baseball operations. So in a Mets dream, do you think that some of the I, – I forget who wrote the article, but somebody, somebody talked about Theo Epstein – uh, running the course with uh, his Cubs contract, uh, potentially coming and, and finishing his his trifecta of curses. And do you think that could possibly happen in this search for a president of baseball operation? To think big. Absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that's been flying around Twitter, you know, we haven't touched on it yet, is that apparently an agent, you know, Sandy was on WFA and I did not hear it, but I, you can't help seeing it, that an agent reached out to him and, and said that a player said, please call the Mets. And so, of course, that's encouraging because, you know, the Mets are now a destination and all that, you know, and, and well, the same thing to me would carry over to a front office search, you know, because we all, we heard it, we heard it for years that, high powered and, and, you know, creative and, and people who really want to take the reins, baseball executives want to know part of the Mets because of Jeff Wilpon. That's what we heard. We heard it over and over and over again. You know, at the high end blooms and, and people like that would want no part of the Mets because they didn't want to have to deal with Jeff Wilpon. Well, he's not here anymore. And so I think if the Mets are, are a sought-after destination for players, as we heard from Sandy Alderson, and I'm sure we'll hear more, why, are, why would they not be a sought-after destination for front office executives for the same reason? And so if you think about it, so if you're Theo Epstein, you've won in Boston, you know, you brought an end to the curse and all that, fantastic, wonderful. You then won in Chicago, and you, we all know about that, 108 years did that. What's left? Win in New York, brother. I mean, you know, why would he not want to do that? And especially with the, you know, Theo's all about analytics, the grandfather of analytics running the show is president of the Mets. I mean, why would he not? What a perfect situation for him. Come to New York, win for another starving franchise, and work for a man who basically was the pioneer of analytics. I mean, come on. So whether it's him, whether it's any of these high-powered baseball people, you know, the, the negative halo effect of the Mets is gone now. So, so it's open season, and any one of these guys, or, or people, I know Kim Ng as well, any one of these people could say to themselves, yeah, I, I want a chance to be the one that puts the Mets on top. So sure, why not Theo Webstein? Why not a genuine front office winner? Because now the shackles are off. You know, the, the Mets are there. The Mets are, are a sought-after destination. I think it's great. Mike, um, I want you to comment on the Theo Epstein scenario. Uh, but, uh, of course, I, I also want you to kind of segue to Sandy Alderson in the broad sense as well. Um, and what, however you would like to, to do that. Go ahead. Well, the job – instantly becomes one of the most attractive positions in all of baseball. So I think you just sit back 
and consider this, uh, the winter meetings and, and uh, the owners' meetings have been canceled due to the pandemic. So there's going to be a lot of sitting around and a lot of pondering of individual futures. I said this a couple of weeks ago about, uh, weeks ago about Theo Epstein, and it all alludes to what Rich is saying. You know, he may want to complete the trifecta. You never know. It's pure speculation. But with everyone sitting home, you know, staring at their phones, it's interesting. And I I can't wait to see how this plays out. Uh, Because, again, it is, I think, instantly one of the most attractive positions in all of baseball. Uh, Who wouldn't want to be running a club with all these resources being, being made available to you, potentially? Uh, all that's still ahead of us. But as far as Sandy Alderson, he was glowing. Everyone said it. Uh, I've never seen the man more happier, really, uh, in a Mets capacity. You know, uh, he was pretty happy after winning that World Series with the A's. Nevertheless, you know, he spoke and mentioned things that we haven't heard come out of his mouth ever since taking over as general manager of the Mets back in, what, 2011. About being an iconic franchise. About writing an epic story. When the hell did you ever hear that come out of a Mets general manager's (laughs) mouth? You know, working for Jeff. That just didn't happen. He took responsibility for team defense, uh, you know, and, and his emphasis on offense and, but that's analytics and, you know, they're learning. Analytics is still an ongoing discussion. They're still figuring out how to apply it over a long season, short series, etc. cetera. So uh, I, I trust that Sandy's going to bring in good people. And, uh, you know, he doesn't want to run this organization and be that hands-on. He said as much. Uh, He will be there to mentor and be a figurehead. That's fine. Uh, But I'm so excited that we're going to have a chain of command uh, and let the process begin, you know. Uh, And Sandy doesn't think it's going to take that long. I don't know what that long translates into, but he also said that I have enough people on board to at least launch this boat into new waters, you know, and those are my words. So I'm confident. I'm happy. Uh, I heard nothing but conviction today. And again, Sandy was so happy. The guy was glowing, glowing, almost giddy, uh, definitely rejuvenated. It seems physically and both mentally, uh, the time off has done him well, but this job has certainly you know, done much to inspire his spirits, I would think. Take it away. Hmm. Uh, John, this is where the surreality sets in for me. And what Mike just said about the resources. It's kind of still hard to fathom. And and if you want to please put this in terms of uh, Sandy Alderson, that framework. 
how much more money uh, Steve Cohen has than the next richest o- owner? It's it's about ten billion dollars or so, something crazy like that. Uh, anyway, take it away, Joe. Yeah, you know, I think of, of Sandy Alderson's, you know, the the look on his face, the excitement, the rejuvenation, and I think to me it spells a just a, a an opportunity to kind of finish off his career, um, you know, by by winning in a place where he wanted to win all along. But I think there were obviously some uh, some some roadblocks in a way of him being able to run the team the way it needed to be run. And obviously, you know, different parts of the press conference, you know, you hear he makes he makes a couple a couple references to that. You know, I remember I remember in 2010 when he was hired as the the Mets general manager, um, he was talking about the possibility of this being Moneyball with money. Well. You know, it was pretty soon he figured out that they they didn't have money, and that the Wilpons had maybe less money than he had to deal with when he was in Oakland. So I think there was a there was a little bit of and and I don't know I, I don't think it was deliberate, but there there was there was the a little bit of false pretenses in which he had a chance to be the general manager for the Mets the first time, stuck around for a while, built the team up, got him to a World Series. But, you know, it looks like a different type of relief in him that he, he really feels like he has all the resources that he needs to do the job the way he, he needs to. And, you know, I think, I think for every fan, that's kind of what we wanted to see. And it, the, there's every reason to have all the excitement that's in the air. And here's the tr- uh, crazy part, Jeff. Uh, I read somewhere that at some point during the A's time, they had the biggest payrolls in Major League Baseball. That might have even been the World Series year. I'd have to, I'd have to check that. Um, so, it, I think what, it was 1991. What he just said is right. That yeah, exactly. It might have been 91. What 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 he just said is right, though. That like Sandy was talking about Moneyball with money but he probably had a better way of it during, you know, of operating the money based off of the inflation of the time from 89 to 91 um, and 88, of course, we got to have to include that year that they made the world series. Um, You know, during that time, it, it probably had a better way of how the operations were supposed to be than under the chief operating officer. Yeah, uh, Sandy did uh, reference that, you know, he knew how to run a club with a, a large budget since he did have a you know, the largest payroll in baseball, and I think you're right, 91 or, or so when they were uh, when the A's were, were really good. You know, he, he felt so you, you can tell in his way his demeanor, the way he, he talked, uh, and he got in his veil shot saying he uh, they they can now shop in the gourmet aisle instead of looking for the, uh, you know, the scraps of meat. Now he's in the gourmet aisle. Uh, that's a little shot at, at, at uh, Jeff Wilpon and, and maybe even Scott Boris. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he can, and I want to say this about, uh, directly to Mike, you know, thank God they do finally do have a chain of command that you've been, I know you've been saying this for years and years. We need a chain of command of president of operations and so on. And finally that, that, that that's coming to fruition. Uh, with the new Mets, it's it's, it's a it's a great great feeling. Uh, I think Sandy is going to make 
all the right right moves. I, at least I hope he does. He, he he takes responsibility. He even said that in in his uh, portion of the press conference. Uh, but but he knows how, how to run a team. He knows who to put in charge, and he's just the team president. He's gonna let the baseball people run the baseball operations, and that is just a, a great thing for for uh, us Mets fans. Gary, I had said that I thought in some fashion, like, I, I guess it was 2018 when they, they let him go, but that the game had caught up to him. Um, however, I, I can understand him at this capacity uh, as well as I think I also underestimated now that I saw Brody Edwards, you know, how good of a job <laughs> Sandy Alderson did with the entire team. Um, you know, say what you want. We, we, let's, let's give props to Brody for having an exciting 2019 that we will always remember, albeit without a playoff berth. Um, and this year was a tough year, but I think that when it was all said and done, considering the Dodgers were on top, uh, that who were the good teams, you know, played out. Uh, the Rays made it uh-huh. because every year they're able to do what, what they do. Um, so regardless of what 2020 was, I think it was clear that the cleaning of house that needed to happen did happen and, and, and good thing that it did. So, um, you know, I, I, and, and as somebody that just said you weren't a big fan of Sandy Alderson, have you given him more props in kind of retrospect as he comes back into the fray? Yeah, I, I, I well, uh, yes and no. I probably should have gave him more, but he did get them to a World Series, and Brody was a complete disaster. And and uh, as I said, I was tough on, on uh, Sandy Alderson. I used to call him Scrappy Sandy because he always seemed to be going through the scrap heap to get players. And it did seem like the game passed him by. Uh, but with, with this new position, I think, it, it's probably perfect at this uh, stage of his career. And this this whole ownership, you know, switch now, is it's, it's almost like it's happening at a perfect time. And, and it's the perfect person because, uh, let's face it, Bro- Brody screwed up this team. And if the Wilpons would have stayed with a lack of money, they would have been screwed up for a number of years and because of Cano's contract, because of the trade of Kellenick, uh, the trade of Kay, the trade of uh, the other guy from Freeport. I can't think of the pitcher now, but Justin guys really set, Justin. thank you. Set <laughs> this team back. <laughs> it, it, it really set team back. And with having a new owner now that can, not spend crazy. I mean, he could if he wanted to, but not to do that, but to spend wisely, but has the money to try to smooth over the bumps that Brody caused. Uh, it, 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 it's perfect timing and, and good for the Mets. We only suffered for the two years and, and hopefully they'll be able to recoup something somewhere along the line. But, um, yeah, I think, as you said, uh, Sandy is in a better position now. I think his mindset's better. I think his health is better. 
And uh, as Mike said, he looked like a completely different guy. He's happy to be back here. He's happy to be doing what he does best. And I think uh, he, he mentioned about when he was with Oakland that he really he was there, but he was kind of not in the, the the middle of everything. He wasn't, uh, uh, you know, hands-on that much. And I think he'll, he'll be in the sort of the same situation here. Uh, depending upon who they brought in. Now, you know, I, does Epstein want to come here? It could be uh, – it could almost be like a demotion for him, wouldn't it? I mean, and the money he's making. He's making $10 million a year, I think. Yeah. Well, well, that's the crazy thing. And I want to get to that in a second in terms of the money. Okay. Um, but we do have another caller, uh, another 516 area code, getting some, a lot of calls from Long Island tonight. So, uh, hello, <laughs> you are here on a Mentian podcast. Hello? Hello? Who is hello? You? Hi. Hello. First time in long time. You guys are great. First time. Thank you. Who is this? First, first is time in long time. I wanted to say that. Well, I appreciate that. I, I think that you guys are great, and having on the two guests that you have on, that Jeff Cohen and Gary Mack, they are awesome. I love the Mets. <laughs> We're glad you do. We're glad you do. And, 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 I, I, and I think you guys are terrific. <laughs> I think, I think somebody gave away your, your secret identity. <laughs> Man, you guys blew it, dude. You know, so what? What's the deal? You guys have on the the the, the half of baseball and barbecue that only wears blue and orange underwear. I mean, what's the deal, guys? Baseball practice of roster rating. By the way, by the way, I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you this. I I'm still trying to find where Jeff Cohen is related to Steve Cohen. I have been <laughs> looking and looking. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of options here. Take the blood. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to blood. keep hunting like the, the Zodiac uh, investigator. <laughs> and, of course, you have Gary Mack, who, you know, I love Gary Mack. So you guys really do have a great podcast, and – uh and I really am excited about what? And don't forget John, Len. Oh, yeah, sorry. John, you're great, too. You're all great. So <laughs> I, I'm just happy that, that we're all bleeding blue and orange and that maybe, you know, maybe the team is heading in a great direction. And, uh, and, and hopefully uh, Jeff is doing some promotion tonight to get some listeners to baseball and BBQ. For sure. Baseball and BBQ, a great podcast. And, in fact, Jeff, I'm going to go right to you with your shameless plug. You recently had a, a Mets royalty on your podcast. Yes, and by the way, if you didn't notice, that, that's my broadcast partner, Len. So, uh yeah, we had Jay Harwick on our latest podcast, so definitely uh, check us out. It was a great interview. Uh, I, you know, I used to work for Jay back in '84, so it's been a long time, and uh, you know, it's wonderful to have him on. So, great stories, and it's a must listen. 
There you go. Len, I, I want to, uh, you know, get your take real quick uh, before you go, what your your opinion about uh, this whole Steve Cohen thing is. You know, you take uh, a couple of billion dollars and you mix it in, and I think you're going to come out with a nice little uh, recipe there. I think uh, I like the fact that he was a fan. Can you imagine, guys? We're all fans of this team, right? Can you imagine if one day you own the team and you could just, you now have the ability, all this time you've been talking about this team and all these moves that you would make, right? And now you actually own the team with tons of money and you have the ability to take this team and make it an incredible thing. It's almost like it's it's your you now have the toy that you always wanted and you can do anything you want with this. So all these moves where we say, Oh, we should get real muto, oh we should get Bauer, oh we should get this guy, this guy he could do that. He doesn't have to be the guy listening to the radio, the podcast saying, Oh, I hope they do this. He can do all that. As a fan, oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I, I think uh, having him with uh, deep pockets is going to just be amazing. It's going to be terrific. It's, it's like and, we all hit and the that's where I want billion to go dollar to Powerball. Go ahead. It's like we all hit the $14 billion Powerball. Right. And, and Mike, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to go next. And I'm going to go to you next on, um, you know, the money that he could spend on the Mets with or without the tax threshold, the luxury tax. And, 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 you know, they alluded to it and he was like, that's something we'll discuss. You know, I really can't give an answer on it right now. Um, but when you think about it, it really technically is chump change. And especially like he said, he's going to keep making sure he keeps that $14 billion as a day shop. So, you know, it, it really is just, it's chunk change in some fashion when it comes to operating this team compared to what the Wilpons were doing. In a sense, but he also said he's not going to spend like a drunken sailor. There's money available, and that, you know, takes care of certain things. You have a need, like Rich mentioned in the presser. Uh, what was the quote? Uh, you know, now we can emphasize the acquisition rather than the cost. That's what the influx of money is going to do for us. You know, arbitration that. is... Go ahead. I said I love that quote. Yeah, I think that was the quote of the day. You know, uh, potential arbitration raises and salary aren't going to be as onerous upon salary as they used to be. And, uh, you know, they're going to be able to flex, flex their muscles in the market. Uh, but, he, you know, they're not going to – he's not going to run this organization irresponsibly. Uh, and w- we have we have something to measure that by. For those of re- who remember the Yankees of the 80s, that team won the most games in the decade and have nothing to show for it. And Steinbrenner brought in star after star after star after star, and it got them nowhere. So we have the model not to follow. They're going to do things smartly. And when 
the situation calls for an expenditure, he's going to be ready, willing, and able. If the situation says this is just stupid money, well, then you know what? He's going to smartly keep his money in his pocket. They're not here to just, you know, have at it like Delta House and throw caution to the wind. I don't foresee that. I, I see smart decisions. They want to build within, and that's going to create the sustainability, and the money is going to, you know, dress up the place. And, and you know, instead of having Venetian blinds, you'll have nice plush curtains. You know what I mean? That's where the money comes from. Um, we have a caller, but before we go to the caller, I want to go to you, Rich, for the, the money, Sandy Alderson, Steve Cohen. The combination, the dichotomy of all of that, where do you think it goes? Uh, I could see the Mets building more like the Oakland A's than the Yankees, like Mike said. I don't think it will be reactive. I don't think it will be arbitrarily, huh, you know, we finished fourth in the National League in home runs, and there's a home run hitter on the market. Get that guy. You know, I, that was the Steinbrenner mentality of, you know, it was very reactive. You know, um, if there was a, an apparent need, just go by the best thing you can do to fill that need. I think what you'll see with Alderson is a methodical building um, and using money more wisely in a, in a more um, a more well-thought-out way. And also, let's not forget this. In the press conference today, he said a couple of things that, that were very interesting. He said that – we have a very uh, – we've had a, a thin depth in the pitching rotation, and he said our depth at double and triple A is thin and thinner were the words he used. So he recognizes it's not going to be about, you know, the Brody model, of, you know, the, the somewhat Brody model of going out there and, and trying to get a shiny new toy, that he realizes that you can get those shiny new toys, but you also have to build underneath and build a foundation. So – Anybody who says things like that and who has operated like that in his past, you know that it's going to be a more methodical approach to build a sustainable winner. And so I think that's what you will see. I think you'll see spending mixed in with, you know, certainly overlaid with, with a methodology, but certainly mixed in with um, a, rec- a recognition that you have to have internal resources in a building up of the farm system, which is really, let's face it, it's really the best of all worlds. That's what you want. You want to have an, an owner and a, a philosophy, an organizational philosophy that reflects that. And I want to jump on one thing that Jeff said. Um, I was never, or I think it was Gary, I'm sorry. I was never the hugest Sandy fan either, quite frankly. Um, and I, I appreciate what he did, that the team went from, uh, in 2012, being pretty bad, 13, rebuilding. He rebuilt it brought the team to the World Series. I understand all that. Uh, but at the same time, I always I always had this thing. I didn't like his late 1960s, early 1970s American League baseball philosophy of the three-run home run, you know, mm-hmm. all offense, no recognition of defense and all of that. But if you heard him today, he said, he said the following. He goes, one of the things, that, things that's bad is our defense. And he took responsibility. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I'm responsible for the fact that in, in yeah. my tenure here, in, in through 17, we had a bad defense. And I recognize that that, you know, that, I, that needs to be better. So while for that reason I was never one of his bigger fans, I'm a huge believer in defense in baseball. If you watch the New York Mets, 
you know how important defense is in baseball because they don't have one. And the fact that he owned up to that and, and he said, look, you know, I understand that that was, that was not my best thing when I was here. And he recognized his defense and he took full accountability for it. And so it was that statement more than anything for me in the entire, in the entire um, presser today, that statement meant the most to me that he, I'm really into defense. He acknowledged that defense is important. He acknowledged that he did not build a good one and that he will do better. I was, he had me at a low right there. Well said, Rich. And without further ado, we're going to welcome on a 914 area code. I, I have a feeling who this is, but I might not be too sure. What? I, I, um, this is Max. I, I, could, I didn't know. I, I think I thought so, Max. How you doing? Max Cohen. <laughs> now, Max, now yeah. when I say Max Cohen, everybody out there understand that Max Cohen does not have an E between the H and the N. So, have you also been trying I to am, see any connection, Max? I well, first of all, I am not a I, I'm not related to Mr. Steve Cohen. Um, it's I know a lot of Cohens. My my dad actually knows someone named Michael Cohen, who is not any who is not related to Steve Cohen or the Michael Cohen of the President Trump's uh, lawyer. So it we I I mean I. It's very funny the the Cohen Cohen business, but we are. I feel like every every Cohen and Cohen that I know, we are not related. Maybe some. Well, other than listen, I say this as a I say this as a Jewish person, Max. You know, other than <laughs> Goldberg, it's it's the Jewish Smith. Okay, but but <laughs> <Yes>. continue. <laughs> yes, um, I yeah, I would have to say that's the case too. So uh, no relation to. And we are not. We are not. And it's not even our name. We, we kind of. We kinda, um, my grandfather stole it. So, not stole it. Exchanged it uh, to get into America, to get the visas. <laughs> so it's not even our real name. Our, our our old name is a. Uh, okay. It's it's, it's it's no no Max Max. I lo- it, what, what I love about this is that we go we go down like the entire history of New York. Like I'm I'm not being facetious. I, I love the full service podcast element of it. I love the fact that we just talked about the the the, the uniqueness and the history and the, the 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 feeling that it is to be a New Yorker and to be in this city and to root for a baseball team from this city. So when you looked at this press conference today as a member of the New York metro area, where do you first go when it comes to Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson. So first of all, I, um, I, first of all, th- th- this is the thing that I said from the very beginning, and I'll say it again. I feel like too much of the blame of the past few years uh, since 2015 was put on the Will Pond. Um, you know, mostly because people said they weren't too much. But then again, it really doesn't have to be, you don't have to spend on the biggest free agents in order to be successful in the farm system and, and do well at it. You know, it doesn't it's not like it's not like, you also need to draft well, you need to have good uh scouting and coach. You can if you if you want to talk about that the World Pond farm could and, and, and develop player development then fine, but say 
blaming all, all your problems on, on the fact that we could spend on the biggest free agents every year is sort of not that great of a, big of a deal, especially when uh, there are certainly luxury tax concerns. But, you know, it's, it's embarrassing to be over the luxury tax um, if, you're, if you're an MLB team. It's, you know, you're like spending so much money on, on players. So even if it's money, it's embarrassing to spend on a player that you know is, is 100% not worth that much. A kid like not with you like like Robinson Cano like I'm really ashamed to have Robinson Cano on our team. I think it's like you know it, it, it really gets he's still what thirty eight now and getting paid millions of tens of millions of dollars. It's 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 it's, uh, it's pathetic. So I mean if you, if you want to talk about that then 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 you can that. But I feel like it it wasn't all the well ponds these, these past few years. It was. It was the player development. It was the GMs. Sometimes it was the. It was definitely a lot of it was Brody. Um, so Brody's uh, not on most of Brody's times. I would all of the failures were mostly. I could blame them on him. He wasn't a good. He wasn't a smart person. But to say that all the. Oh. I'm sorry. Were, uh, what? All the problems on the organization were you could put on the war ponds. I would ask you, you know, a good amount is you could put on the war ponds, but you can't put everything. He said, I am happy that Cohen is coming in because, um, you know, people do make the arguments that war ponds and it's scouting and coaching and, and player development. And I, and, and for that reason, I, I totally said that. I said, Steve Cohen much smarter. He's going to keep minor leaguers and not trade them away for for thing. Um, and I, I feel like it's important to keep you know, keep young guys. It's not it's, you know, it's like we could have really used it. I don't care if we can not so like have trading with the chance, you know he didn't really need to do it. So like he would have been like, this is again with the Max, Max, let me cut you off here because it I'm not sure if it's your microphone or something, but it's kind of hard to hear you. But I want you to hang on a second, figure that out, because um, this is the direction I want to go in next, guys. We're going to go uh, quick around the, the, the table. John, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about specific moves now. Obviously, at some point today, even Sandy Alderson mentioned Trevor Bauer, or at least uh, – um, when asked about Trevor Bauer, did not say, well, I can't really talk about anybody. Um, uh, wh- wh- where do you think everybody goes here? Where, where do you think every, everything turns out now that things should be gone in motion, even if now his next, uh, uh, the next thing Sandy has to do is get the front office in order? Well, I like, and I, and I know you mentioned this earlier, but I like the fact that said that Sandy said that he he feels like they're they're in a position that they could do something now if they needed to, if an opportunity presented itself now before he ends up bringing in a president and you know completely rehauls the baseball operations department, you know they they could do something now if they if if they felt like it was it was necessary or an opportunity presented itself. I, I like that thought. Um, obviously, coming into this off season, the same needs are there that we would have thought of, you know, towards the end of the season. 
The Mets need to probably address catcher. They need to address depth in their starting rotation. You'd like to see them have an actual center fielder that could play the position of center field and not a corner outfielder that's thrown it, thrown out there. Obviously, the the possibility of the designated hitter um, being universal this year, which I'm glad that there's a good possibility that could happen. You know, the Mets have some some DH options. Um, listen, I don't I don't think the the first move or really any of the moves have to be an absolute splash. But it's good to know that they can go through any sort of of channel to be able to address any need that they have on this team. And obviously, the the same needs I say are the same needs that you know everybody that's on this you know on this podcast right now knows that the Mets need. But the question is going to be: is it is it going to is it going to have to be a, a flashy move just to steal the headlines at the back pages of the New York papers? I don't I don't really think it has to be. Could they go out there and get a Trevor Bauer or JT Romuto or a George Springer or maybe even more than one? Probably. But I don't think they need to do it. I don't think they're that far away. I think they can look at each one of their individual situations and know that they have a ton of options, whether they're free agents, whether you do it through trades, whether you take advantage of some teams that are non-tendering players because all of a sudden the owners don't want to pay them because of you know the repercussions for the pandemic. I think there's a ton of options. I'm looking forward to this off season, and I, I think this is it, brighter days are much going to be ahead for this New York Mets franchise with Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson. I agree, um, Jeff. You know, I, I look at it and I I I wonder exactly what they're going to prioritize, but. Um, it, it, it seemed it was interesting. What do you think about the entire narrative of Trevor Bauer being an entertainer? Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's just funny how Sandy, even if he's not tweeting all that much, he kind of understands the sound bites of the modern age. And, and he doesn't relent when it comes to playing that kind of PR game. Right. Yeah. He, uh, he, he knows the value of these players and what what they bring. And even if, you know, Trevor Bauer, does he have a big mouth or something? Whatever. If he can win games, I think nobody's really going to care. As long as he's uh, be able to win, that's all that's going to matter uh, for, for the team. As for the other moves, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think things are going to happen very quickly. I think it's going to be a very slow-moving market, especially with all the guys going to get released between now and the arbitration. Uh, with with all the uh, you know the pandemic, uh, you know revenues that are down, a lot of players are going to be released. There'll be a lot of supply, uh, you know, for demand. So the even though look, Stevie Cohen could spend a lot of money. He, he knows he's going to do it smartly. He didn't get this wealthy being you know making stupid moves. He's going to do it very smartly. And I think one of the things he said, which I like, is uh, he, you don't buy championships, you build them. So he's going to build from within and, and, and supplement where he needs to. And, look, they don't have a lot, a lot of pitching depth in the minors, and, you know, Sandy said that today. So a, a guy like Darrell could could be a good fit for a couple of years. Maybe even bringing Stroman back, who I think would be ridiculous if he, if he turns down the qualifying offer. I mean, that, that's who's going to give him that much money off a, a year when he didn't pitch at all? Um, 
As for other moves, I, I think uh, the front office is going to be, you know, a priority. Who's it going to be? Will it be Theo I'm, Epstein? I'm, Look, wait, wait a second. It, I'm, it, I'm sorry, Jeff. Did you, Jeff. Jeff, I'm sorry. Did you say that Marcus yeah. Trump, did I miss that before the podcast? Did Marcus Stroman already turn that down? I don't know. I said I said he'd be crazy to oh, turn okay, it down. Oh, okay, okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, I, I think today okay. was a day. I think deadline. I didn't hear anything. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow? Okay. okay. There you go. Uh, as I was saying, Theo Epstein could be like someone, I don't remember who said it, but the big, big trifecta. You know, the Red Sox, the Cubs, and the Mets. I mean, who wouldn't want to take on that challenge? Even, and look. Theo Epstein has made more money than he could ever spend, you know, and he'll get what he'll be, you know, greatly compensated if he if he does decide if if he is offered a job. Uh, but there are other candidates out there that uh, you know who knows. And Sandy will take his time to to go through the, the list and, and choose who he thinks is going to be the head of baseball operations. And it's going to be a chain of command, like Mike was saying. Uh, it could be a David Stearns. It could be a Billy Owens. Who, who knows? Uh, I've got even that. Uh, I've got the guy's name from down from Miami who was just let go from the Marlins. Uh, he could be a uh, attractive piece as well. <clears throat> you know, just leave it in, in, in the guy's hands, in, in Sandy's and uh, Stevie Cohen's hands, and I think we're in, we're going to be in very very good shape. Well said. Well said, um, Glenn. I'm going to go back to you next. Where do you think they're going to go? Um, I think that his next move is to buy the Dodgers. He's going to buy the Dodgers. He's going to take all the players, and he's going to put them on the Mets. I think that's the next move. That's what he's doing. That's original, Mike, unique. I'm, Nobody's saying it. Mike, I Mike think I'm, it's great. I'm laughing so hard because of the Baltimore Orioles, Brooklyn Dodgers connection. That's why I'm laughing so hard, Mike. It just, it just all comes back around. My turn. You're handing it off to me. Was was, was that my I'm cue? Handing it off to you. Yeah. Go go go. <laughs> Very with quickly. Everything we're talking about. Very quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. Stephen Cohen said, "If he doesn't win a title within three to five years, he'll find that somewhat disappointing." I think that's food for thought. Uh, as far as the off season, you know, we have an opportunity to improve ourselves up the middle, like catcher and center fielder, and in the starting rotation. Those are the players out there available, and those are our needs. Um, you know, just because we have Stevie Cohen on now, uh, I'm still, a, you know, I'm still the eternal pragmatist. So, you know, I'm happy we have this new owner. I'm happy we have a new condition. So I'm just happy. I'll, you know, I'll wait and see what, see what happens. I hear you, Rich. Uh, I, I have a feeling you're you're chomping at the bit to talk about what you think they should do this offseason. So in the context of him even talking about Trevor Bauer, where do you go from here? Well, I, I agree with Mike. You know, I think the priorities are in three places. I think first thing I would do, they've got to add some depth to the starting rotation. Now, whether that's Trevor Bauer, I mean, it's so interesting, right, to say depth in Trevor Bauer, whereas uh, as recently as a year ago, depth was Michael Waka. I mean, my house times have changed. So, um, but they, they need to get a couple of major league arms for the rotation. Absolutely. Um, they, they're desperate in need of a catcher and obviously they're not bringing Ramos back. And, and I don't believe Nito is anybody's first choice as a, uh, as a catcher and not bringing Robinson Torino's back. So 
adding depth to the rotation. You have to get a quality catcher. It doesn't have to be Rail Muto. And, in fact, I'm even getting a little skittish about bringing him in at age 30 because he's probably going to get a five-year deal. And I don't know. I mean, money or no money, I'm not sure I want to bring a catcher in on a five-year deal who's already 30 years old. But anyway, we'll see where that one goes. And they really have to address center field. And that speaks to my prior point about defense. Um, last time I looked, I think Nimmo was a minus four defensive run save over a very short season in center field. That is not acceptable. And I think the Mets are aware of that that Nimmo's a great piece. He's a corner outfielder, and that's the end of it. They need a center fielder. Springer, I would love to have Springer on the team, um, whether it's him or whether they bring somebody in by trade. They've got to get a better defensive center fielder. So, you know, mounds behind the plate and center field, that, that's where they have to look, and I think that's where they will look. It's a great point, and um... – I love the way you, you juxtapositioned it with Michael Waga versus Trevor Bauer. Um, Max, where are you as, as the youngest of the tangent, not to, to expose you as such, uh, but you are. <laughs> um, where do you, where do you come in on this? What should the Mets do this offseason? Max, Max, are you there? Oh, man, he's probably chomping at the bit, and I didn't unmute him. That's my bad. <laughs> Max. Sorry. Sorry, can you hear me? I Oh, I can hear you. That's, that's on me. Okay. Can you hear me now? Sorry. Do it, Max. Okay. Um, I, if they're not going to bring back Strowman, I do believe that should go after a big uh, starting pitcher arm. Whether it's Bowers, I feel like Bowers can get a little too controversial sometimes. I feel like he's too vocal. I didn't really like that about Strowman either. He just talks too much. He's too involved like, on Twitter. Like, you know, there can be a controversy and they have to get involved. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to. And then, it, you know, and then there might be a backflip, and then, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. So, you know, Colin makes a comment. I could just see this playing out of my head, like, you know, like, uh, who, who, like, I don't know, like, um, I don't know, someone would backflip on the meds, and, and Trevor Bauer would, like, run after, or, 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 or something, and he would, like, support, and then the teammates wouldn't, and then he would get, he's just a very, um, he sort of, like, juxtaposes Jacob Brown. Jacob Brown is, like, doesn't talk on Twitter. He's very silent. And he's, you know, and he's like, like really, you know, he's really focused, and he's not, you know, posting on YouTube every day. Like he's, you know, like I, I don't know. I'm not so comfortable with such a vocal, such an out, outspoken. I don't know, uh, person. I feel like there are other free agent uh, starting pitchers we can obviously trade. I don't like that idea, but Rosario. Um, I feel like is a waste of a player right now. It's a waste of a uh, 25, 26-man man, uh, roster position. It, it's, you know, he's not. Andres Jimenez is, has 10 times the potential. I would say at least two times the talent of Rosario. He can steal bases effectively. Rosario cannot. He can, and Andres Jimenez can hit home runs uh, the opposite way consistently. Rosario cannot. I feel like 
you know, I don't know why we have him, we've had him on the team for so long. It's probably because he hit 289 in 2019, which is good, but I don't really care. Um, you know, he's not he's, he's not a good player, and I, I, I really wouldn't support. I would just, you know, I would, if they don't like this free agent market, and they should just trade for a starting pitcher. Um, with the catcher situation, I guess uh, Real Muto would be fine. I, I don't know. I feel like he's just like a two seventy seven twenty home run guy. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I mean, like he has good speed and good fielding, and actually top tier his fielding. Um, you know, and, and speed. Like he's he's really fast and really good at, at at catcher. I don't know how much that would affect the team. I think. You know, you, you sort of need to have a balance, and I just feel like, you know, right now, um, Real Muto is just he doesn't have a ton of potential. He could go like two nineties, maybe, maybe, maybe three hundred, but I just feel like as of right now, he's just like a he, like I could like if they sign him, I could see him just going two seventy seven with twenty home runs and like I don't know like sixty RBIs, and it's just it, it's not the kind of you know, player, like, I don't know. I was just like, if we're going to spend a lot of money, we should do it for um, a player that we know that can, that can really be effective. I feel like like James McCann would be a good option. You know, he's, he's just like, I don't know. It just seems like he's, he, has, he has better hitting potential. And he's going to, you know, he, he would go over uh, to the 300 mark. And I don't know about JT, maybe it will. Um, you know, Southfield, I don't, I don't, I think that we should definitely keep, keep Nemo. Um, and I think that, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Nice, Max. Um, before we go, I do want to go to Rich, uh, first with this, um, with, uh, specifics and, and, you know, he mentioned Rosario now and, and Rosario has done, I, I really think some Times people forget he's like 23, 24 years old. Uh, years old, excuse me. You've been a big proponent of him for a long time, and and continue to be, Rich. So, do you include him? I don't think you include him in it in any trade for Lindor. But would you include Rosario in a trade for Lindor? You know, Lindor to me is a very black and white proposition. If you could do a sign and trade, you know, if you can extend him, then I think you could essentially empty the vault for him. And if Rosario has to go, I'm fine with that. I do like Rosario. I've never understood why people um, got on his case when he was so young. He did not have enough time in the minors, and he has so much natural ability. And I do believe he'll be a very good shortstop. But Lindor is young himself and is already there. Lindor is an all-star. He is a franchise-type player. And if you could get him, and again, my statement is predicated on the ability to extend him. I would not open the vault for a guy that you're only going to have for one year and then you're going to be bidding on him. Absolutely not. That, that is not the way you build a baseball team. If you're going to trade Rosario and maybe throw in another piece or two to get him back, the only way you do that is if you can extend him. And if you can, like I said, yes, I would put Rosario on the deal if that first condition was met. Mike, what is your opinion of that? Without hesitation. Period. I would trade Rosario. (laughs) 
So I, I you know what? And, yeah, I, I, without hesitation, mm-hmm. I would trade him. But I will also say this, and this is a shout out to Mets Daddy if you're listening, because he said this on Twitter. You don't base the trade on who you give up; you base it on what you receive. You can read into that. Um, I will go around starting with John uh, before we say goodnight. John, what, number one, I guess let's start with would you include Rosario specifically for Lindor, but also go broadly and then maybe get more specific about what you want from the, the New York Mets in terms of, of the trade market. How do you want them to go about this, and what pieces do you think they have? What pieces do you think you would include? Uh, uh, because they've been talking about this core that they have. Who do you want to strip away from that core to build up the team? Well, I, I like the thought of, you know, it, it's not what you're trading as opposed to what you're, you know, what, what, you, ended up, what you ended up trading for. So it's not what you're giving up as opposed to what you're getting. Um, listen, Rosario, I think, you know, maybe could be a little misunderstood to this point. You know, he came up with the Mets at a very young age, you know, had a lot of promise in the second half of the 2019 season. But, you know, if you're thinking of a package for somebody like Lindor, especially with the caveat that you'll be able to extend him, um, I mean, I think that's a no-brainer. Um, I think you look at, the majority of the pieces that the Mets have. And this is, uh, I think this is the, the comment I'm going to make that may not a hundred percent agree with the feelings of a lot of other Mets fans. I think you look at the entire roster and say really for the outside, outside of Jake and maybe Conforto that there really shouldn't be anybody that's absolutely 100% unequivocally off limits. I think the Mets' goal is to be to improve their team any way possible. And I think there's a number of options, especially with an owner now with some deeper pockets, that you, you may be willing to part with something that, in the eyes of a lot of Mets fans, a homegrown player that we've known and loved and gotten to root for and a lot of cases got to follow them from the lowest level of the minor leagues all the way up to the majors. If, if, it, if it means that the Mets are going to be a better team because of it. Uh, and I, and I, I think, I think there, there should be more thought about upgrading the team any way possible. And, and I think because of that, you could look at any one of a number of players that are on the Mets roster now, especially the ones that you know, we've, we've been very fond of as we watch come up through the system and we consider them one of ours. Um, I, I, I would I would hope that they would be open-minded enough to be willing to make any sort of move if, if there's a possibility that they could get themselves better down the road. Um, one free agent that I think it would be a, a very good look for the Mets would be uh, Manuel Margot of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, he was playing mostly right and left field, but you know because they got Kevin Kiermaier in center field, He's a pure center fielder. It looks like from an offensive standpoint, um, he's starting to kind of bring the package together. And, and, and I think he is starting to become um, what was kind of the fruits of the, his prospect status when he was back with the Boston Red Sox organization. 
I like Excellent. that. And I'd love to have uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Max Cohen, uh, Len Averman, um, and I, I believe. Oh yeah, and uh, oh well, there they go. I'm sorry, my there. Everybody's still with us. My my phone was being was being a little bit uh, uh shoddy, and I thought still I had lost everybody, but <laughs> we oh, still have everybody. God. And and that I'm is who we're taking out uh, with our our last word. But first, before we we say goodbye, I just want to go to Jeff Cohen last with all of this. Where do you want to see everybody specifically go before uh, this thing gets underway? You know, before before you actually see the execution, what do you want the execution to be? Well, uh, with Dario, you know. He he was at one point years ago the number one prospect in all of baseball, not just on on the, the Mets, but all of baseball. Was he rushed up to the majors a little early? Could be, and he's still very young and and coming into his own. I would, I, but having said that, I would include him in a trade to get Lindor. Uh, but like like uh, John said, caveat has to be you got to sign Lindor. I mean, he, he's going to be here one year and gone. That, that's not going to work for me. Um, I want to address the catching situation for a minute, and I know everybody wants Rio Muto, who is 30 years old. And I want to know, when did 30 become old? I mean, we've seen catches go <laughs> deep into their 30s. Uh, you know, Carlton Fisk did it, you know, Yogi. I mean, I know we're going back. Uh, uh, let's say Gary Carter was in his 30s when he uh, played. I know Johnny Bench, he, he ended uh, – he wasn't a catch late into his 30s. He was actually in, in the little early 30s. But even today, Yadier Molina, still a very, very good catch at, at his age. So I want to know when did 30 become, you know, the, the age where, okay, can't catch anymore. Um, who knows what, what we're going to will bring. Will he be a, a good catcher for three, four, five years? Who knows? I just want to know why is it after 30 you're done. Uh, that just seems to be uh, very odd to me. Um I do want to say what Steve Cohen did state today at his press conference is he's not going to talk about what happened in the past or whatever Regime Brody or, or, or Jeff Wilpon did. You know, it's in the past. And if I hear, and if I, I don't want to hear the words Jared Kellner again because we, we all know ad <laughs> nauseum. It's done. It's past. New new owner, new GM, new new president of uh, of team operations. You know, gone. Let's move forward. Um, I, I, however, I will say that the, the Brody legacy is tied to Edward Diaz, no matter what. That's uh, no matter what other trade he ever made, he is he is on he's locked in step with with uh, whatever uh, Edwin Diaz did. So, um, but uh, yeah, with the catcher, obviously center fielder. You know, uh, Manuel Margot's not not a bad choice if we can't get Springer. That's not a bad choice. Um, and, and yeah, that's that, that, just to upgrade the pitching staff, and you know, I'm not, I'm not done on Stephen Matz. I'm, I'm really hoping he can. Uh, it was just a, a, a blip, and he can come out uh, really co- coming on strong next year. I, I really, I'm rooting for this guy. I really am. Well, we appreciate that, Jeff, and, and we are rooting for. We are all rooting for Stephen Matz. You know, and it's the same thing that we keep talking about with Elders. You know, why we want Stephen Max to succeed is because he's one of us. His grandfather's one of us. His entire family is one of us. That's what we want. And 
Um, I, I first want to say, um, before we get to our last word, uh, that Max, Max Cohen, we appreciate you calling in this evening, and uh, I want to go to you first before you uh, leave us with your last word. Oh, Max. Max. <laughs> Think Max left. All right, well, everybody, later, ladies and gentlemen, Max Cohen has left the building. Thank you for calling in, Max. So, uh, Mr. Len Aberman, Mr. Jeff Cohen's uh, right-hand man, or however you guys want to call it with uh, baseball and barbecue, uh, give us your last word as well as, well as your shameless plug. I think Len has left as well. Uh, you can see, you know, Abbott Costello. I'm Abbott. He's Costello. <laughs> uh, but he did send me a text. He, he did send me a text saying uh, that he wants to make sure to say, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. And he uh, he had to get off to continue his his own genealogy search. So uh, that that would be his final word. Well, that is great, and let's make sure we still have Gary Mack in the building. I'm still here. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Gary. My, my, uh, my thoughts are that uh, I think, uh, like John said, that the uh, rosters uh, should be open, and, you know, if you could pick up a Tyler Class now or somebody like that and have to put Tom Smith or Peter Alonso in the deal, I'm making a deal. Uh, you can always sign a first baseman, and they're still not sold on them. So I'm making that deal. But beyond that, uh, it's a great day. You know, it was an exciting day to be a Met fan again. And let's just hope we have a season to uh, continue to talk about, that there's not another lockdown in, in January or February that, that uh, will affect it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the Cyclones being uh, either a high A or a double A team. Seems like it's going to be How about that, high right? A yeah. at yeah. this point. And uh, listen to Mets Musings uh, at MetsMusings.com. And the Baseball Talk radio show uh, is available as well on Anchor.com slash Baseball Talk radio show. So I hope you'll check out those two shows Uh one I do with the great Rich Baxter of, of uh, Philadelphia Phillies, uh, uh, renown. And, uh, we're doing one tomorrow morning as a matter of fact. So, uh, hope you all listen in to that. And baseball and barbecue. Don't forget that. They do a great job. Uh, those guys. Thanks Gary. And you guys Perfect. too. Thank Sorry. you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and thanks, thanks. <laughs> And thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it. And I hope I didn't uh, uh, take up too many too much time from somebody else. No, this was such a good round table. Uh, round table. Thank you so much, Gary, for joining us tonight. Um, and, and without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to a Metsian podcast, and we are getting into our last word with our featured guest of this evening. Uh, we're, we're first going to say thank you so much to John Pielli and Jeff. Cohen uh, of uh, John Pielli of the Past Ball Show and Jeff Cohen of Baseball and Barbecue with the aforementioned Len Aberman that you heard. Um, and uh, first, John, I'm going to go to you for your last word and shameless plug. 
Yeah, as always, guys, thank you for having me on. It was, it was fun. A very, very good discussion there. And what's going to continue to be building on one of the better days that we've had in the history of being a Mets fan. You know, a day that you get to welcome a new owner, um, a new old team president, but also a philosophy that seems to be more committed to winning and kind of to, to finally be emancipated from the willpower. You know, I've been, a, my entire life has been up until this day or a couple of days ago or last week, uh, my entire life coincided with the run of the Wilpons, or at least Fred having a piece of the Mets, you know, in 1980. So this is a, a, a very special day and time that we can look forward to something new and hopefully a lot better times for Mets fans. Um, if you guys are interested, the past ball show can be found on a bunch of different mediums, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, um, Apple Music, um, Amazon Music. And thanks again having me on. It was fun. And I look forward to doing it again soon. Appreciate it, John. And uh, Jeff Cohen of Baseball and Barbecue, go ahead with your final word and shameless plug. Thank you, uh, and thanks again for having me on. It was great fun, as always. You guys, uh, you know, just complete joy to uh, talk next baseball with. My, uh, my final word is a new dawn. Like Star Wars. A new dawn is, is now here. Uh, nothing but good things happening. We rid ourselves of, of the Wilpons and their their ineptitude of of running a baseball team. Yes, they did get to the World Series in 2015, you know. But you know what? A, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. They, uh, you know, so <laughs> put that in the past. We just look look toward the future. Steve Cohen, Sandy Alderson you know, it's going to bring great things to uh, Mets. And I'm really looking forward to this new uh, new era of Mets baseball. And, yes, check us out on Baseball on BBQ. We have some great guests coming up. And, uh, like I said, this, this week's episode was Jay Harwick. And, he, uh, met, like you said, Mets royalty. But check us out on the other our other uh, episodes as well. We had someone uh, from, who wrote a book called The Hall Ball where he went around with a ball and got pictures of all the living Hall of Famers and those, and then went to the, the final resting sites of, of other Hall of Famers. Also, if you're interested in baseball history, we had a great show about Chulis Joe Jackson with a Chulis Joe Jackson historian, Mike Nola. So check out those shows, you know, and keep listening. And keep listening to you guys. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, without further ado, to the Brain Trust we go for our final word and any shameless plug you guys want to provide. Let's start with Mike LeColon in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Uh, I can attest to the Shoeless Joe Jackson episode. That was a wonderful episode. Uh, Enjoyed it immensely. Otherwise, I love my four seasons, you know. I'm a football guy, I'm a hockey guy, I'm a basketball guy, and I'm a baseball guy. But after today's presser, I've never been in more of a rush to get spring started. I don't like that feeling. (laughs) You know, but boy, am I excited. Boy, am I excited. So uh, I'll just have to learn how to temper myself and, and get through this 
rest of fall and winter and, you know, see what next year holds. That's it. Otherwise, you guys know Brooklyn Trolley Blogger? Do your research. You'll find me. Well said. Rich Spirago, go ahead. Well, my last word for tonight is uh, I wanted to stay excited, but I'm going to go with intrigued. Um, you know, in prior off seasons, we knew it was coming. We knew the payroll would not go up much. We knew that if they brought in talent, they would have to make a trade, and we cringed at that prospect thinking they would make a terrible trade, which lately that's what they have done. So, but this time it's different, right? I'm intrigued to see how without the financial restraints, what will they do this off season? And, and it, and I know we all know that it will be different than prior off season. So I'm intrigued to see how they go about beginning to put together this sustainable winner um, and to see how that whole thing plays out. And yes, I will. Uh, I'll use the word excited as well. I can't wait. And the only thing, folks, that that's hanging over us is I know I don't think we're going to be at any games at City Field until the earliest, the middle of the season, and that's a freaking bummer, man. But uh, especially now with all the excitement. But um, it's been great, and I'm not going to minimize it with that. It's just it's unfortunate that uh, you know for us to go hang out there and have a great time. It might be a while, but um, it's definitely a new day for the Mets, and I'm intrigued. Thank you, and thank you all for listening to a Mentsian podcast. Um, my final word is fascinated. So we have excited, intrigued, and fascinated. This is going to be a fascinating time in Mets history. Uh, we all have a lot of dreams, but we now need to see the reality unfold. And I hope that we can all temper our expectations. I think that it's going to be like like he said, like like Steve Cohen said, he's not going to be doing this like a drunken sailor. He's not going to be spending like one, and it's it, it's going to be very interesting to see the way Steve Cohen unfolds with Sandy Alderson at the helm. And I think there's a big reason why he brought Sandy Alderson back. Like he said. Uh, Sandy Alderson knows the Mets. He knows the team right now. Uh, and that is a perfect transition for somebody looking to spend the money to make this a contender and do what he said, which is it's for us. It, it, it's for him and it's for us because he is one of us. And I, I thought everything was genuine, authentic, which was a word that came up many, many times. Um, and I thought that this was an exciting time to be watching everything unfold. You know, it, 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 it's something that's still surreal to me, but I can't wait for the reality to become just that. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's let the show begin. And we appreciate you listening to us tonight on a Metsian podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you all, and as always, let's go next. Let's go Mets, everybody. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Let's go Mets. Good night. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.